So, once again, returning to the Satipatthana, and uh, kind of in touching into themes in it. It's not really going through every word, particular themes. Once again, to go back to, right to the beginning, and uh, these cultivations are the direct, undeviating way. It doesn't take in side issues, just the direct way for the attainment of the way, for the disappearance and fading of sorrow and grief, and for the realization of Nibbana. <coughs> attainment of the way, you know, disappearance, eradication, removal, however you want to put it, of sorrow, grief, suffering, dukkha, and for the realization of Nibbana. So, you know, we just consider those, give some directed and applied thought, thoughtfulness to those terms. We don't attain Nibbana. We realize it. We attain the way. Sometimes these things, we sort of gloss over it, but that's really quite accurate. So often we're trying to attain Nibbana, or something we could call Nibbana, and you don't attain it. You, you realize it. There's a different quality of citta. These, I don't think these terms are entirely, obviously they have some overlap, but the, they're not entirely the same. Attaining is something we feel definitely, this is it, got it, on it, with it, here I am, on the direct way. But that's not Nibbana. Nibbana is the end of the way. There's nobody on it. <laughs> uh, so it's a realization. Like Realization is a sort of complete opening of the jitta to, oh, this, you know, there's no way, there's no... You know, it's, it's, a, it's a complete holistic opening. All the forms that so encouraged us and disappointed us and challenged us and we've been, you know, they've all kind of dissolved, just like the creases in a cloth when you spread it out. Just like the folds in a map as you flatten it out. <coughs> all those terrible troughs and all those wonderful peaks have now dissolved the realization of Nibbana. We rather like peaks and we dread troughs, yeah. But all that can uh, be opened out and freed from because every peak is followed by a trough, I assure you. <laughs> How could it be any other way, you know? <clears throat> but one thing, the disappearance of uh, or dissolving or destruction or ending of dukkha, suffering, stress, and all its subtler forms. So just to sort of have that, what is happening here? I'm suggesting uh, there's a process of kind of 
an unfolding of that which can unfold, that which can open. You know, so even this sense of what what is it? Where is that? Mm. You know, what is that that can do that? <coughs> so when you say I oh, open to something, what opened? It's a holistic sense, isn't it? You know, you're, perhaps your thoughts paused, um, your directed energies got to get somewhere that kind of relaxed, your fears disappeared, your holding back wasn't there, your defensiveness wasn't there, your sense of you've got to hurry up and get it done, that wasn't there. The disappearance of those. Mm. And then something seems to unfold a greater receptivity, fuller awareness, less drive, you know, less drive, less drag, you know, perhaps no drive, just steady state, hover, open. Mm. What can do that? This is chitta, you know, whatever you, however you want to sense that, perhaps don't even verbalize it, but just try to get, understand that experience as it happens to any degree when does that become possible when you feel safe, secure, steady, trusted you know, kind of no particular things you've got to get to doesn't it happen by itself if we can really fully pause in that moment take it into our bodies relax, you know be alert, be awake but relax at the same time doesn't it, doesn't it just happen? <clears throat> Yes and no, because it's easier said than done. In some ways, something in a still holds on, still gets fretful, still sinks, still spins around, still gets desperate, haunted, driven. Yeah. So this process then is a process of path. How do we touch into these areas that are confused? Uh, out of control, are just firing automatically, coated with ignorance, unseeing. And uh, how do we get to those places and relieve them, un- unburden them? And the process then is that this is the, you know, the conventional, <coughs> these the Pali canons take on it. <coughs> is this really a process of what needs to be undone? And it can sound kind of negative or even like we're, you know, what's left. That's left is chitta. But because anything you name it as is going to put some restriction on it because you're holding it as an idea or as a state, the Buddha kind of lets that one be. Mm. But saying you, you'll know it. It's there. It's there all the time. And if we really dwelt in the heart of that with clear, clear presence and intelligence, sensing it, then the, the, the fetters drop away. So the path is sometimes, you know, the, the, the fruitions of that way, the realizations that we're sometimes termed nibbana, which is associated with the word means something like something that isn't happening. It's a, it's a verbal thing. Something is not burning. Something is not firing. Something is not 
revving up, something is, so it's called the undoing, the blowing out, the cooling, something is stopping. The other way of expressing it is deathless, which is an affirmative, isn't it? Mm. (laughs) One's a negative, one's an affirmative. So deathless really refers to the chitta, or the completed chitta. So this gives a little more positive slant on it. And but then again, when we when we put that into our normal ways of thinking, we tend to think nibbana means everything's got to stop, annihilation, destruction, end of everything, just kind of empty shells floating in a void. Uh, <laughs> that, that extremism, or the other one is well, we're all going to be merging in the deathless, having a knees up, you know, communing in some deathless state somewhere up in heaven or or. Buddhist heaven, so you get an eternalism. So, no, it's not that because you're looking at the wrong thing. <laughs> you know, we're looking as a person or as an emotion or as a thought or as a form of some kind. But these are senses in which we get, you know, either something has to stop. What has to stop? Suffering has to stop. What has to really arise and be firmed up? Awareness has to be rise and firmed up. And, you know, just. Then looking at this practice path, <coughs> yeah. So we've, you know, as we're touching into this, coming to the, the fourth place, and the, the way these satipatthanas seem to work to me as a, as a map is you've got like, um, like we say we're taking a journey, and uh, you know, uh, the map is a very sort of complete map. It's not just a map of the terrain, it's also a map of what your legs are doing. How long is a journey? As long as, you, as, long as your energy is. <laughs> you know, so it's both referring to, you know, the state that is, or the state of being, you know, as well as the terrain, you know. So we're looking at the, the three, uh, first three are things we place attention on, or awareness on, or mindfulness on. And the fourth is the kind of things that happen as we're doing that. Just like we might say the first three are are the territory, and the last one is describing the kind of effects that occur when we feel exhausted or inspired or tired, how strong we are. Um, you know, the, 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 system, the systems that the chitta is experiencing as we cross this terrain, it's a way, and the way is a very, you know, uh, um, often used metaphor, pathway, Uh, so the sense of there is a progression here, there's a movement, but we, like when you're traveling, you have to both know your journey, also know your own strengths and limitations and you know, so it's it's a very thorough thing, and the fourth one really deals much more with the kind of processes that we come across as we are mindful of our body, mindful of feeling, mindful of of uh, uh, mental states. Mm. Yeah. So these are, if you like, our yeah, we begin to notice things like ill will and uh, sense desire called hindrances, challenges, obstacles. Now these are the aspects of the un the, the folded up chitta, it's contracted, it's tight. It fears, 
it's confused, it needs, it wants, it has to have, you know, it can't stand for another minute, you know, this person's bothering me, it's like that, it's, it's, it's a very contracted state, it feels extremely painful, I've got to have something, sense desire, because I've got so little joy and juice in me, I've got to have something to, to fill it up, so these are exaggerations, of course, but something like that. Then we get this uh, quality of torpor. Basically, the thing just shuts down. You know, it contracts and just loses vitality and slump. Shuts down. <laughs> the other one is when it's overcharged, it was restless. It's just continually, it, it's just in a sort of spasming feedback loop. It just can't, it's, you know, it's, it's seized up in a, in a hyper state. It's restless, worried, and it keeps conjuring up more things to worry about, more things to do. It's an an endless to-do list that keeps reduplicating itself the more you give it energy and attention. And finally, there's a sense of doubt, which is like a lack of confidence, like, what the, why, why bother? Who am I? Does it matter? Is there anything? Is there nothing? And then the the bottom line is the feeling of, you can't, you just can't. You know, we, we lose faith in ourselves. So this doubt is not just an intellectual lack of information, it's a sense of less loss of confidence in oneself. One doubts oneself profoundly. There's something wrong with me. Uh, and all the other hindrances confirm that. You're right. <laughs> They will line up. So the contracted chitta, yeah, is a self-fulfilling thing. As it contracts, it believes in its contracted state of feeling inadequate. Yeah. So it's because it's holistic. So the whole thing folds in upon itself. In extreme, this this doubt is not just some kind of like wavering mind. It turns into deep depression. What's the point? I'm a failure, I just can't make anything. You know, when that when you when that really bottoms, this is not just a trivial spiritual affliction, this can be a you know, life threatening, you know, vitality threatening experience. So these are this is the contracted chitta. Nothing would do you as much harm. The alpha sit, the the opened or the, the as it comes out of that, we have what we call the enlightenment faculties, mindfulness. There's the ability for them to stay present, to to sense, to be aware of what's going on without reacting to it, with a sense of that's that. So even being able to name these hindrances, some step towards it. Vitaka vichara, directed thought, that's that. Yeah, that's that. This is ill will. It's not, he's such an idiot. I mean, he may be an idiot, but my direct experience is ill will. <laughs> now, this isn't, this is just taking it at, the, at your own jitters state. Now, whether other people are whatever they are, and whether they may be stupid, inconsiderate, abusive, and so forth, that could be true, but 
right now, the first thing you have to deal with is your own contractedness. Otherwise, you're going to respond to them with rage, aren't you? And insults or, or fear. So if that can relax, maybe you could find yourself, why does she do that? She must perhaps, you know, that's going to be something to be a bit more open and able to look at that topic. So the ill will. And naturally, we've been talking quite a bit about projection, the papancha, which means that the contraction of the jitta is thrown out to, it's out there. It's out there, isn't it? There's the problem out there. <coughs> and ill will and sense desire, these two. And so you start to just get a, get a reference to that, that experience as... This is absolutely standard. It's a very simple concept. Why is it so simple? You don't have to have a PhD to, to get a grasp of what this one means. It's so simple because everybody has it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, w- w- studying it, mindfulness, investigation, look into it. When we say look into it, so how does it feel in your body? Yeah. What is it rest upon? Is it resting on a particular perception? So again, this presentation of the particular areas that this lands on. A sense base. Yeah. A sight, a sound, a touch. More significantly around a perception. He is such a bully. She thinks so much of herself. She, you know, she took my seat. That was clearly my seat and she took my seat <laughs> so a perception and we carry these perceptions and these perceptions become people there's somebody in this room whose sole purpose of coming here was to take my seat deliberately you know I was exaggerating again but at that moment that person just becomes that a seat taker <laughs> a sniffer you know, the, the sniffers, we bring sniffers into here, you know, <laughs> professional sniffers to <laughs> door bangers. <laughs> People insist upon using the toilet in the middle of the night. Yeah. <coughs> so this kind of quality then attacks the perception. Then what's the sankara? It says things are, you know, bristling. It can be bristling into rage or into, oh God, oh, no, sinking into despair. You know, or this movement is swinging around, right? So we just contemplate that. And then you get that, that what happens is it tight, the body sort of gets this contracted, flattened state, and our mind gets in this hardened, flattened state. And in that state, you can't see anything but, or you, well, you know, most of your mind can be obsessed with, you know, a huge disproportionate amount of what one person said or did at one moment, you know, right? Like a pick up, say I take a pick up a piece of paper, look at it and go, huh, and put it down. He thought, he thought my question was stupid. <laughs> he thinks I'm an idiot. And then that sort of, you know, becomes <laughs> the overriding experience. It may have been, I just picked something up and thought, oh, I'll deal with that tomorrow and dropped it too quickly with a feeling, oh, that, that counts as dismissal rather than, oh, yeah, that later, you know. <laughs> who knows 
but what we recognize is the quality and ill will has two particular ways of operating one is you know uh, I I feel the aversion towards others the other is people feel averse to me you know, and that one we get this called the inner tyrant or the inner critic uh, because you know as that sense of we imagine or we proliferate we imagine other people's senses or sometimes people do of course insult us and abuse us so we get into that particular defended state that defended state if you're in con- sort of contracted tight and then we we sense this your will around here it must be from some somebody else and then what do you do when somebody's attacking you tighten up to defend yourself and you can stay in that defended mode without even recognizing because it becomes the body holds it as a constant uh, pattern you know and it could be just defending yourself against lots of lights and noises and bangs you know if you're in a city you just get into that tightened state but we feel in that tightened state we don't feel comfortable we don't feel happy we don't feel welcomed we don't feel open basically so then there's that sense of anxiety you know there's something wrong could be wrong maybe going wrong probably not right I don't know where it is could be you know and we project that unconsciously so in the extreme this turns into uh, like a, a kind of state where in the defense is held through defending ourselves against something and because that becomes established as that particular pattern mind starts to keep throwing things in to keep it there you know we get so we people can get so used to that state that it feels funny to not have it so something keeps throwing things in it's called the inner tyrant we get familiarized with a certain you know i'm okay i'm all right i'm doing my thing i'm okay you know so it's sort of slightly defended states my rights so forth you know or, or opposite just saddened am i okay here i don't know and this this turns into something keeps telling us there's something wrong something wrong with you yeah. and these retreat situations this can kind of one of the things about them they they really highlight and and give these you know open these qualities up as you've probably seen and noted how little things can create this inner critic criticizing yourself criticizing others and so on you know come to the morning puja and you're late your last one in criticize yourself for being late everybody else hates me because i'm late i'm the one you know teacher thinks i'm slow slack lacquered slaggard didn't get up lazy useless you know so next one i get there on time get there on time and i criticize myself as being such a such a automatic conformist <laughs> you're just so concerned to be uh, conform you're just a sheep aren't you criticize yourself <laughs> like that. 
a sheep with a herd of other sheep. <laughs> the next morning, you tell, I'll get there five minutes, ten minutes earlier, before everybody else gets there. You're such a goody-goody, aren't you? You think you're better than everybody else, trying to show off how prompt and keen you are. You're wrong again. <laughs> and then from that state, you can look around, look at all those slaggards who turn up late, <laughs> criticize them. You know, so this thing can take just about any form. <coughs> it will. And hostility means we sense it around us. And it's like when your system is closed, it operates, it feels things that way because it's, it's, it's the pain is here. The pain of closure is here. And the ill will closes us. So then we, that is felt as an emotion of not, not safe, not comfortable. So then we're just practicing metta, for example, aware of that. What is the, when you're mindful of that, what is the fundamental medicine? Metta means not may I love everybody, but may I, I understand the phenomenon of ill will, the sankara, the activation of ill will. Stay, relax, feel inwardly the ability to relax, feel comfortable, may I be free from harm. Breathing in, breathing out, may I be free from harm. So towards yourself, may I be free from harm. May I be able just to operate as best I can according to my own body-mind. The pressure, there's a little bit of Nibbana there, something has hmm, ceased, stopped momentarily, perhaps. And just taking this into the body. This is how we investigate, so in in line with that, the presentation, hindrances and the enlightenment factors kind of add up, the enlightenment factors work on the hindrances. It's not like get rid of the hindrances and then have the enlightenment factors. The enlightenment factors arise because of the hindrances. No. They are the ones that meet that, those hindrances. And investigation is the second mindfulness investigation energy, virya. Can sound, can, is sometimes translated as effort, but actually it's virya. There's a certain energy, yeah. That is, one's fully with that, you know. I mean, this is the important process to be with, you know, and feeling it, breathing it, getting your body energy into that, breathing into your goodwill, breathing into your body. So your energy begins to to fill up into a more healthy form and comes out of these contracted states. Energy. So we've been talking a lot about energy as a, as like breath energy, uh, mental energy, the energy of loving kindness, a certain sense of opening, spreading, bestowing, giving. Those are mental energies, aren't they? When we give, when we share, when we open to, when we love. 
It's not just, it's, we can call it an emotion, but it's actually an energy of, what does it do? It's opening, spreading, isn't it? Hmm? So when we look at virya, we look at mental energy and body energy, breathing it, breathing into one's goodwill, breathing into one's body, putting the two together, so that it's like you're learning, chitta is starting to unfold like a, you know, like a collapsed tire, and you're gradually blowing it up, yeah. blowing into it. It comes, crinkles start coming out, the, the crinkles of ill will. Now this could be, if I went through every hindrance, this could be very long, but just look at that, take that as an example. We work with dullness, with sleepiness, just aware of the sleepiness, not averse to the sleepiness, not blaming ourselves for sleepiness, not blaming the situation for the sleepiness. Yes, this is something that all human beings experience. Feel what you can feel. If you can feel your back, your knees, the skin. Keep giving it energy, steady, warm, good you know, supportive energy, investigate the pieces that can wake up. If it's just your eyes or your belly, you just work on the pieces that can wake up. Calm the pieces that can be calmed if it's restlessness. And gradually it will kind of, these little bits will pop open. And it very much, my sense of this, it operates on a bodily level as well. The proprioceptive sense, the way the body knows itself, the tissues start to unfold. We all know what deep stress and tension is. So if you want to explore that, you know, just really try and get as tense as you possibly can. Tense everything, your eyes, your lips, your jaw, your fingers, your feet, your belly, your chest, tense it all up 100%. So you know what, what, that, what bits are operating and then Breathing out, relax, and you'll notice which bits start to do the opposite. So those are those. That's what happens, yeah. yeah so you can track that as a bodily experience, and notice when you're frightened, it's going to tighten, isn't it? When you're angry, it's going to tighten up. When you're happy, it's going to loosen up. So sometimes we just work on that. You know, we're working on the bodily sense, anapana, breathing in, breathing out breathing through the body, the entire body, and then the mental energy also. Energy. Third. Fourth. Piti. Rapture. Now this is interesting. This is very interesting. This is the hinge. Hmm? Because this is where what we're doing begins to have palpable results. Pity isn't something you do, it's something that happens. It's, it's shifting, it's shifted from what I apply myself to, to now what I'm receiving. And pity is the quality of a joyfulness, a brightness, that is both body and mental or emotional. It's both. We feel open. Now you take an example of pity, say, and not everything works for everybody, but you know, where it would most evidently, in a, in a very ordinary way, happen for me is, you know, wake up in the morning, it's a lovely day, bright day, open the door, fresh air, dew on the grass, flowers. Ah, oh, 
everything opens up. That's not just a thought, is it? Yeah. And that's a subtle sense of it. Plenty of space, nobody's bothering me. Ah, yeah. You know, that. So as, we, as the chitta begins to un, unfold from the driven state, the hounded state, the harried state, the needy state, piti is, is what is experienced. But this is so, but you don't experience it through thought. This is vichara, is the sense of, vitakra is the application of vichara, feeling it, sensing it. Isn't it lovely when tension releases? Ah, when your shoulders drop. Ah, you know, when you really can breathe out and feel a full in-breath that isn't driven or pulled, it just happens. So piti, a very significant feature of it, is the hindrances are really no longer getting in. They may be hovering, but they're not getting in because the chitter is unfolding. And some of one's conventional identity drops away. So a lot of my conventional identity can be about just being very busy, organizing, managing the stress that I'm giving myself. I'm getting more stressed out about it. Getting busy, being me, with all my agendas, routines, histories, possibilities, object, ob- obligations, requirements, needs, worries, and so forth. Very, very full deck. And now with PT, we're starting to f- forget some of that. Ah, isn't it nice just to be here breathing? Huh. <laughs> so, you've got to see... You know, the, the density of identity is often through the system creating all kinds of structures and connections to manage its own stress. And that, of course, gives us more stress. So there's a certain quality of innocence about piti, undefended. And it's embodied Say you can have more chest experience, skin experience because the boundary is safe, the the body opens. This is where it's really important to sense how samadhi is coming after this, because if you start trying to concentrate, where the way that the normal mind will understand concentration is tighten up. Tighten your attention, tighten up to get concentrated. And unfortunately, that can feed right into the contracted state again. So we don't, we may get very attentive, but we don't necessarily get piti, which is associated with opening. That isn't 100%. I'm saying this is a possibility. So, first of all, the process the Buddha is talking about is sati, mindfulness, investigation, filling, filling with energy, not effort, not striving, but filling with buoyant energy, 
pity sense of rapture and you know, so then things are turning you're feeling less having to carry weight now if, if we can sort of get in touch with that and realize the hindrances are your are your um, what's it called your whetstone or the thing you have to work with you sharpen your enlightenment factors on that whetstone on that grindstone they are tough but you realize nothing else you can do is going to get you out of them no situation no friendships are really going to get you out of that you're not going to come to an idyllic retreat center where they're all washed away from you you're going to go to a retreat center thinking oh this would be nice and a few days later it would be nice if only it wasn't for them him that the bell the routine the people the noise the weather that you know they're going to come you know, they, you know because they are <laughs> so you know come prepared to meet that because you will that's the way the way the attainment of the way means recognize you have to meet those hindrances there's nothing going wrong that is right that's the first frontier you could say it's the first that's the first piece of the landscape and you know so this is where you're going to learn the only thing you can do really eventually you know however you shift things around to make things more manageable i'm not saying you can't do that but you're just trying to get a place where you can able to sustain enough sati to investigate and begin to turn your energy into into something but uh, redeeming benevolent fulfilling and those then you push the dents out through that and the contractions come out this already is plenty actually mm. And then, the, but the results are pe- some sense of pity. Now, I don't want to sound kind of like belittling because you may, in fact, be drenched in it already. But I think for myself, it took maybe 10, 20 years to just undo lots of things pressures, stresses, contractions, wrong views about meditation bottled up irritation, grief, depression, stuff, compulsions, urgencies, trying to get it right, inner tyrants, the whole thing, you know. But you just keep... <laughs> doesn't mean to say that one didn't have times when they always say, oh, this is really nice, but they would tend to come back again. And maybe that's the way it goes. You get times when it's, oh, yeah, it's through, and then they come again. So it's not just the one shot. You keep crossing that territory time and time again till it no longer causes you doubt. No longer gets you into, I've lost it, I'm confused, I'm so, I've, I had it but now I've lost it. That's doubt. That's another one. And that's the one that cuts the path away. You know, you, know, you just keep crossing that territory until you notice it's not there very much. It's now, and now it's not triggered by that. That triggers it, but that doesn't.
you know, so you start to notice and take joy in the amount of times that one isn't in ill will or sense desire. <laughs> you know, these are kind of very large, strong words, aren't they? But they're kind of um, subtler forms. And really, these things don't don't pass away. Um, you know, until there's a very, very profound degree of realization. But we can get breaks in it. And at that moment we can touch into something more joyful. Somebody's asking about devotional practices. It's a question. You know, how does that fit in? Well, this is this is what it's about. You know. The devotional practices are for for joy. You know, they're encouragements, they're opportunities for rejoicing. You know, celebration. It may be something we, what? Buddhists celebrate? We don't kind of dance around waving flags, things like that. No, there. <laughs> Hare Buddha, Hare Buddha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, that's what these these are for. That now, just sort of what you know. But what makes it possible to experience that is, oh, the, the Blessed One is here. I I have received His Dhamma. Mm. This has told me there's nothing wrong with me. This has indicated a way out of stress. I've been given the way, the keys. Oh, you know, the joy to have touched, even touched into the possibility of that. I've been, you know, seen as a worthy human being who can try to cultivate the way. I've sensed myself in that, you know. I've touched into the qualities of being harmless. The joy of it, you know. Oh, how wonderful. You know, it's like that. That's what devotional practice is around. You're often using images, conventional words or flowers, incense, candles, images. Remember, don't get too mesmerized by the images. They're just they're just like signs that you can use to to so that you're doing it. Like, why do we why do we bow? It's the body, isn't it? You know, it's the movement of the body into a softness, into a lay it down. Don't try and figure it. You try and figure out devotion. You know, what exactly are you doing this for? What purpose do you see in placing your head upon the ground? <laughs> Really, from a heart level, sometimes it's the only thing you want to do is just, oh, I surrender. <laughs> you know, you just want to put your head down, this kind of proud, arrogant head with its conceit and its views and its ideas and its stuff. You just, oh, just lay it down. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, I am and I shouldn't and people should think this of me and why am I? Just lay it down. You know, that's there's the, 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 the 
but remember this is not commanded but this is this is a, this is something we can kind of what would that be about you know and there comes a time when really that is a very lovely experience and it's for that loveliness for that celebration for that mudita which means the taking joy in that which is good it doesn't have to be me anymore piti and then you take that in so this you know in in this the conventional buddhist culture this is i don't think people understand it either or figure it just do it and there's something people get a real sense of faith and you know support from that feeling in a safe place and feeling you know now i'm kind of empowered i'm i've got the buddha's teachings with me i've got the buddha's presence with me um yeah great uh and this is say this is where from piti we come into that and just cooling it mindfulness of that sensing that survey that so it doesn't get just you know more more kind of excited we start the feet leave the ground <laughs> yeah so that sometimes for people who experience this it can come in great rushing waves and it's maybe incomprehensible to someone who doesn't experience it but you can have such this that your, your tears start coming and you, you feel like you're lifting off the ground it comes too strong so then you just body brack breathing out grounding here we are you know and that's called then you come into something more contented pasadi tranquilizing calming soothing smoothing it out chitta unfolds a little bit more samadhi <coughs> sense fields begin to quieten down now sense fields may seem like things we can go out to and they're actually the things that hold us in you know they limit us they limit our experience within sights and sounds as i only see so far here this sound i mean actually it seems like these are the fields that i can run out into once one's begun to experience things like piti and sukha a sense those are not fields anymore they're 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 there's a cage it's something that's limiting my experience this impact sight sound touching and holding limiting and then the mind wants to spread wider this is what samadhi takes us through that and then there's a change of change of um of priority change of priority why is it so many meditation masters just kind of sitting in some manky old hut <laughs> in a desolate forest you know i think god these guys are really tough you know ascetics is sitting there kind of feeling blissed out <laughs> And so these are these can this this experience can be very transformative and quite quite astounding actually. Mm. And from there, I don't want to go too much into that. But there's all really incredible stories of people who 
whose minds have opened to that degree, you know, <coughs> the, the the sensitivities and the, the world that it presents. Um, but from there, there's such centeredness, such poise. The tone of it is even, called equanimity. It's unfolded. There's no creases left. There's no preferences. There's no contracting. There's no differentiation. It's all even. Chitta is evened out. So the undifferentiated Nibbana, things have gone out. That which we thought was real and solid has proved to be a shadow. And once that crease has gone, the shadow has gone. Nothing has actually been destroyed. It's just that that strange thing which seems so real, so me, so energizes, opened out. And some shadows are very strong and, and seem so clearly there, aren't they? So this is, this is the, the map gained, but consider it very simply, if you like, as a process of the, un, the progressive unfolding of something, the potential for real beauty, pity is beautiful, for real ease, for deep, spacious opening, and poise, and a sense of, uh, that evenness gives you a huge authority over the senses, because then, it's this, it's that, it's not bothering me, it's not pulling me in, it's not something I've got to get, there's, there's the freedom of release. <clears throat> so as we practice, you know, your relationship is, as I said before, relationship is something I've placed right at the beginning of the retreat. Relationship is the whole thing. Coming out of contracted relationships of, of liking, disliking, holding on, rejecting. Those are we call very simplistic, contracted ways of relating to experience, aren't they? And so what does sati do? It doesn't partake in that. Yes, here it is. There's liking and there's disliking, but uh-huh. but that's just something that's happening. That's not where I'm standing. I'm standing aware of liking and disliking and the not following, not projecting, not proliferating around those energies. And that starving the hindrances Sometimes that's that's the expression. By being aware, mindful, but not following the proliferations, you withdraw their energy. As you know, as Ajahn Mehta was saying yesterday, you know, the, the Indra and the demon. You're withdrawing that demon's hostility by not giving him any. He loves hostility. He feeds on fear. He loves you to feel like you're a wreck <laughs> and you say no you're not having any of that here's loving kindness instead ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> shrink <laughs> yeah. here's an open body his presence instead and so that this is that the relationship then is changing it's not that I adore demons 
But, you know, when you start to meet one, you can feel you want, you'd want to tighten up. Just see if you can work against that. Feel less guilty and ashamed. Less lost and confused. Less, how does this work? What triggers it? What happens? What happens in my body? What does my mind start to spin out of that? See if you can reduce that. Just take it, slow it down, take it back a little bit. Where's the real point of this? Yeah, And it often just comes back to the one point is pain. You know, attacked. Okay, there's the feeling. Can we even, so as we cultivate, you know, those satipatthanas, here's the mind state, here's the feeling. Now, you know, this is not so easy. But if we hold the mind state, withdraw it, its energy, that sankara, what will occur as you're withdrawing energy from that, is your, your enlightenment energy is increasing. You can't get rid of it, you just transfer it. So, amazing enough, you began to be able to be with ill will, just sensing it as this kind of buzzy, kind of grumpy state, edgy state. And it's not really jumping onto anybody. It's just sort of hovering. Very good. You know, then try to feel it more in terms of your heart and a bit of loving kindness and acceptance. See if that you start starving it. Starving it and using it, feeding that energy then shifts to these enlightenment factors, the Bojunga. Investigation, energy, piti. You know, to the, and over time, one will be, even be able to come to that very strong trigger of feeling. And you can probably do this in your body, to a, to a degree. Feel a pain in your body, and just not not contract around it. This is a skillful thing. It doesn't mean stay there until you see your muscles rip. But just being able to practice with pain as like, this is a workshop. Because physical pain, yeah, it's actually something, you, first of all, you can't really fix it, but also it's much less penetrating than psychological, emotional pain. So it's, it's, it's there, isn't it? It's there. And here I am with it. There I am. Now, can I change my relationship to that? So it's just, Widening, feeling the entire leg, feeling the entire body widening, not contracting. And just gentle goodwill. So we say, oh, let's have some, do this for a five minutes, you know, with an uncomfortable sense. Because that workshop like that is going to help when it comes down to the real business, which is that the pain of the chitta, which can seem so to other person, ah, what's that about? Nothing. It's actually something that's formed your whole, whole way of operating. It's in very profound. So to be mindful of that and investigate, you know, really you have to have the quality of piti and samadhi before, before that becomes possible. <coughs>
See, why it's like in Anapanasati Sutta, you see that the, the Buddha, the first tetrad is to do with the body. He takes it through to the point where you're beginning to experience calming the body, and then the quality of piti comes after that. You start to feel, you know, when you're in your breathing space, in there, you're starting to feel a little bit like some lift. He says, then, thoroughly sensing the chitta-sankara, now, chitta-sankara was that. That means the stuff that activates your chitta, which is your f- mental feelings. Yeah? Your mental feelings, your, your, your mental triggers, your emotional triggers. Do you, do you understand me? Yeah? you get it? But that is there, and my sense of that is because it's because one requires the fullness of energy and the fullness of heart to be there before we can really ease into this and and calm the chitta sankara, calm the grieving, the frightenness, the agitation, the hostility, you know, the, the sadness, you know, the sense of never having made it never going to make it, you know, the failure, which, uh, you, so the piti is a sign that we, we, there's that real capacity to do that. Before that's there, you just have to keep just sidelining that, okay, there's that, just come into your good place, and as that fills up, it's almost natural that you'll find that there's the now is the possibility to meet my place of despair. Mm-hmm. But really don't go into that until you have your, 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 um, your faculties together. There's no point going into it again and again and just going to the same overwhelmed state. You want to really w- build up your capacities. Don't climb a mountain until you've got good legs. Therefore, a lot of our practice is just about just building up, building up, building up the self-respect, the faith, and the faculties for this process. It takes time, but there's nothing else to do. And it is the true way. If we even know this, we feel that confidence we're on the true way, and it will lead to our increasing lessening of the burden of the dukkha. So these practices of, you know, externally devotion is part of it, chanting is part of it, loving kindness is part of it, helping each other is part of it, respecting each other is part of it, breathing in and out. So it's a very holistic thing. The way is not a technique, it's a way of living. So now is the time to gain some certainty in that. And as we coming towards the last couple of days of the retreat, really you want to look not in terms of just getting some nice calm state, but 
where are the places of certainty that you take knowing this is what I have to do to reorganize how I'm operating. I don't want to come into another retreat in the same wrecked state <laughs> again. <you know? laughs> Can't have you moving on. I tell you, there is. But could we, the more you clear you are about your, your trigger points and your faculties, the more that smooth and progressive that, that experience is going to be.